0: In this edition of the Maximize Your Medicare podcast, the Bennett Act, a new act to help ease the controversies over enrollment in Part B, as well as my interview with radio guest show host Art Lewis on WSGW, something like my 20th appearance. Medicare can seem confusing and scary, but it doesn't have to be. It's true, Medicare has complicated rules, a new language, and possible penalties. There are a dizzying number of options. The great news is that you can benefit from Medicare rules if you have unbiased expert guidance. Get your free guidance from JO, a nationally recognized Medicare expert and author of the best-selling Maximize Your Medicare. Call the number on the screen today. Welcome to the Maximize Your Medicare podcast. My name is JO. i I'm your host. I'm the author of Maximize Your Medicare. The 2020 edition is available on Amazon.com. What else? You can also get it from your local bookstore. Just call them up and order it. They'll be able to get it to you in days. The official website for the book, www.maximizeyourmedicare.com. There are official links there so that you can find out other important information about Medicare enrollment, as well as what Medicare covers, go there, www.maximizeyourmedicare.com. In today's podcast, an update on the Bennis Act, a new act which is slowly making its way through the Congress, as well as an interview with Art Lewis, where I was his guest on WSGW, You know, Art has been very, very supportive to me over the years. He actually interviewed me on the first edition of the book. And what happened is I was supposed to be on for an hour out of two of his hours. The guest for the second hour canceled at the very last minute. He looked over at me and said, what are you doing for the next hour? And I said, well, I'm here with you, Art. That began, and since then at least twice a year, every single year for the past eight years. So I think it's almost 20 in total. There's one note of development over the past week, and that is that there's something called the BENES Act, B-E-N-E-S Act, and it is slowly making its way through Congress. What this would do is this would change the time that you can enroll in Part B, Let's say, for example, you did not enroll correctly. You have a late enrollment penalty. That, you know, some of this has been happened by mistake. People didn't know all of these, you know, complicated enrollment rules. What they would do is make the Part B enrollment period the same as the annual election period, which runs between October 15th and December 7th. In addition to that, what it would do is it would reduce the delay of when your Part B effective date actually begins which means that let's just say for example you turn 65 in February and you don't enroll until um, you know April now that's possible right that is possible to do that because that is still within your three month after the month of your born however what happens for that person so remember your birthdays in February 3rd and then you don't enroll in Medicare Part B until April 1st. What normally happens right now is there is still a two-month delay. In other words, your Medicare enrollment or your Medicare coverage date does not begin on May 1st. If you signed up on April 3rd, what happens is you would have this delay of two additional months. Well, this Bennis Act would eliminate that. This can be important, and these little facts are more and more important over time, because what happens is people are working beyond 65, or they're saying, okay, well, and then they're trying to preserve coverage for their spouse, for example. The number of combinations like this is increasing, and that's why I bring it up. The Bennis Act would be helpful for those persons who either have missed their Part B enrollment date, because it would be less confusing, as far as when to actually enroll in Part B. In addition to that, it would also help those persons who are newly turning 65 and trying to time their retirement with Medicare enrollment. Uh, Without any further ado, I'm here with Art Lewis, and this is a recording of an interview that I had with him on a local radio station you know, Art is very experienced radio show host, something like 57 years in total from the time he was a young man. He's now 77. So he understands the world of Medicare. And so that's part of the reason that our conversations are always, you know, very, very fluent, very, very good and topical because it directly affects him. He knows the topics that are under consideration under Medicare.
1: Questions and express your opinions from around your block to around the world. The Art Lewis Show is on 100.5 and 790 WSGW and online WSGW.com. Good morning to you and welcome. Welcome to the Saturday edition of the Art Lewis Show here on WSGW. My guest today, uh, been absent for a while, but uh, he's been busy uh, with his book, Maximize Your Medicare, because it's gone into, uh, I guess I would call it national syndication. We'll talk about that. And we say good morning to J.O. Morning, Jay. Morning, Jay. Where's Jay? I heard from Jay. Hmm. I'm here, Art. Sorry oh, about that. There you are. <laughs> I Listen, you know, I reminded you the other day, Jay did an interview with me, a video interview, and I was the guest. I, w- I warned him the paybacks. <laughs> anyway, listen, Jay, I have to ask with the book maximize your Medicare from the time you first wrote the very first edition number of years ago, uh, till now, how much has Medicare actually changed? Well, I think, uh, it's the
2: eighth edition this year. Wow. The, the changes are actually notable, not because, Medicare Part A, Part B, the enrollment rules have changed. That has not changed. But what has notably changed is the fact that people are working beyond sixty five. Yeah, <laughs> due to the due to the fact that full retirement age under Social Security has increased
1: just by that fact alone. So it's been but yet yeah, the more medic- complicated. The- The the Medicare age hasn't changed, has it? No,
2: it hasn't changed. So you've had this very peculiar set of combinations being introduced into the world, which is people used to retire at 65, get full Social Security, and go on Medicare simultaneously. Now, now the, the, the cards have been shuffled, which is people working on 65, they delay... Social Security, yet Medicare eligibility has stayed the same. So now this has different introduced a lot of different combinations, and the book has had to adjust with that
1: set of you know changes. All right, let's let's talk uh, about a couple of things very much in the forefront of our minds these days. Let's start with COVID nineteen. Uh, how has Medicare addressed that issue? For people under
2: Medicare, much of the negative surprises that people face don't actually exist. So under Medicare, if you are requiring a test, a COVID-19 test, that would be without copay, without cost. Now, I would urge a word of of caution, which is that it's going to be important that you have a written, you know, kind of prescription for you, if you will.
1: In other words, a referral.
2: Right. Yeah. Just driving up to the testing site and kind of paying out of pocket and then hoping that Medicare will pay, that probably won't be successful.
1: Yeah.
2: But... <clears throat> For example, Medicare Advantage plans, waiving the testing. As long as you have, like I said, a written direction saying that you're exhibiting some
1: symptoms where COVID-19 testing you know, is important. All right. You brought this up, so I'm going to tackle it now. I was going to tackle it later, but since you mentioned it, compare Medicare Advantage plans which are what Part C, they call them, I think. But compare, right. compare Medicare Advantage plans to having regular Medicare A and B, a drug plan D, and a supplement. What's the difference? Right. Sure.
2: So under COVID-19, especially under the extraordinary circumstances here, the differences do appear, which is that the testing for COVID-19, if you exhibit symptoms, are going to be covered. That part I'm quite convinced, meaning whether you have Medigap or, or even original Medicare, just part A and B and D, or under Medicare Advantage, the testing itself is not going to be a problem. That should be costing zero. Once you get beyond that, however, now the nuances start to exhibit themselves. Under Medigap, which are called Medicare Supplement or Medicare Supplemental, three three terms that mean the same thing. Let's just say, for example, a complication exists, meaning you're exhibiting COVID-19-type symptoms, but then they find out, that you had a pre-existing condition which had a, creates a complication. Type two diabetes, for example. Correct, maybe you had a respiratory complication in the past. Okay, okay,
1: respiratory, all right.
2: Yeah, and in which case Medigap, again, is going to be fine. Meaning that the doctor decides, you know, we need to check out some other ripple effects. Those are going to be covered by the combination of Medicare and Medigap. So completely covered. The issue is under Medicare Advantage because now, you know, I spoke quite carefully and quite specifically intentionally so because the nuance is important that the test for COVID-19 has zero dollar copay, but that doesn't mean the test for the ripple effect has a zero dollar copay uh, for that test. Meaning other diagnostics, other services you may receive for these ripple effects that could be subject to a copay, co-insurance based on your Medicare Advantage plan.
1: Yeah, let me. The, the Medicare Advantage. Would I be safe to say? that while they're attractive dollar-wise, some of them don't cost anything, according to the advertising anyway, uh, that they're more restrictive in who your doctors are, where you get your service, etc. You
2: touched on, you know, what is the difference from the first edition of Your Medicare until now. The tremendous difference, and especially in the local listening area, is – that many of those perceived restrictions have declined. Because you're absolutely right. The advertisements are not wrong, not specifically wrong, meaning that are there zero dollar Medicare Advantage plans available? You still have to be enrolled in Part A and Part B. You can't get from away from that. But can Medicare Advantage plans cost zero? The answer is yes. And can they be PPO, which means that any doctor that accepts federal Medicare will accept the plan? The answer to that is yes as well. The issue is math of money, meaning that you can get a bill, a copay bill, for the ripple effect to COVID-19 diagnostic test. Mm, Okay. Okay. So it's not 100%. So, correct. So under Medigap, you don't worry, candidly, because between the combination of Medicare and Medigap, you're going to be covered Yeah. yeah. Without, without cost. Under Medicare Advantage, every Medicare Advantage plan will
1: have its own specific schedule of cost that you may yeah. be assessed. All right, hang on, Jay. Hang on. I got to take a break. Okay, We are talking to J.O., the book Maximize Your Medicare, now in its eighth edition. I'll tell you, I can get a copy of that later on. Uh, and we'll be back. If you have any questions about Medicare, by all means, give us a call. Saginaw, Bay City, 752-6111, toll free, 866-790-WSGW. We'll be back with Jay after these notes. Hi, we're back with you. Here on the Saturday edition of the Art Lewis Show, talking to Jay O. He has authored the book Maximize Your Medicare, among some of his uh, other uh, attributes. He's got a list of initials after his name, Longer Than My Arm. Uh, and we have Larry in Saginaw on the phone with us. Larry, you're on with Jay. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, my question art is: With the new auto insurance laws,
2: what do Medicare and Medicare Advantage cover? Are they primary or secondary in case of catastrophic uh, accident? <laughs> <laughs> I heard that, Art. Yeah, you go you, you beat me to the question, so <laughs> go ahead, Jay. <laughs> Good morning. Um, thanks for the question. Very complicated for Michigan. And a question we've faced a number of times. Medicare is pretty clear, secondary. Okay. Secondary. Okay. Medi- so you're going to want to be careful. Uh, the idea, I tell persons from a financial planning point of view, that when you are in the middle of a crossfire amongst insurance companies, I urge
1: caution. Okay. So well, let me I ask understand that you can go ahead. Yeah, let me let me ask this question, because we are now led to believe uh, that you can drop catastrophic and PIP coverage in your auto insurance because Medicare will become primary. What well, what I'll do are
2: rather than you know sticking my own opinion here is stick to what Medicare guidance actually is and. I will supply kind of the link of there's a resource where people can go online. Medicare is addressing this specifically uh, for people, and especially with the change in Michigan auto insurance laws. I'm not okay. a person dealing with auto insurance
1: specifically, and so I okay. don't want to be stepping on someone else's yeah. you know, I've already um, had, had my session., well. yeah, I've already had my session with my agent. Larry, you too? (laughs) Yes, and also uh, there's a guy named Drew who works for the
2: Michigan uh, Government Insurance uh, Agency, and he's excellent with it. He told me the same thing, that uh, Medicare and Medicare Advantage uh, programs are secondary.
1: Yeah, unless you don't have coverage on your auto insurance. What happens right. if you don't have coverage in your auto insurance? Then I think yeah. they do. I don't know. I, I, my agent told me, don't worry. He said it's primary. I <laughs> said, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I was going to ask you Jay if there was, was a here. change. Yeah. You can hear it here. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank
2: you, guys. Some, I always tell persons that when it is exceptionally complicated in dealing with primary and secondary payer, even on health insurance, so the idea that you switch types of insurance leaves consumers in a very uncomfortable spot. And you can just hear it. We have two, your,
1: your own data, Art, the caller yep. data. Yep. Well, I, I, immediately. Yep. yep, I understand that. But I noticed that in all of the uh, papers I read, and I even have a white paper on it, uh, they were all saying that, uh, that Medicare A and B uh, holders... And drop the PIP because they're covered. So I, I you know, who knows? I mean, it's I, I would ha- I would hate to think the public has been misled into dropping coverage and find out nobody's covered. I wouldn't think that would be <laughs> reasonable, but you never know. Jabe, I try.
2: Yep, I try. <clears throat> because I'm not an auto insurance person, I try not to step on their field yeah. of play, if you will. Yep. I can say that what Medicare has said, and I will be happy to provide whatever information on what Medicare is saying. That is no problem, of course.
1: Okay, fair enough, Larry. Thanks, <laughs> appreciate it. Take care. So, I guess you know this is uh, this is an issue facing everybody. I mean, you know, because the law changed in Michigan, and a lot of folks over sixty-five who are Medicare and B users. Uh, have been told this is what you can do. And every insurance agent is conflicting. And right. every insurance agent is following the same uh, protocol. So it'd be, uh, it'd be a real mess if, uh, it turned out it wasn't true. I think for persons that are not Medicare,
2: even you'll hear insurance agents and I've just, just me as a private citizen kind of reading what their opinions are as well as from you know auditing audit companies, et cetera, et cetera, that you know, changing the PIP parameters, if you will, you know, can have unexpected results based on, you know, because before unlimited and now you have these dollar amounts, et cetera, and whether or not there's gonna be civil litigation, you know, increases, et cetera. It just goes to highlight that when two types of insurance start to conflict with one another at all,
1: it's just very complicated for the consumer. Very, very complicated. And sure, all you have to do is try and read one of your policies to know that. (laughs) Crazy people write books about that kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, gee. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Let me uh, go on to a a different topic here because – it was announced a while back that one of the supplement plans, F, was going to disappear. And that's the one that covers everything. I mean, that's the what I call the sleep well at night supplement uh, because all of the uh, copays and everything are covered. But that plan was going to go away, did it? Yes, yes, and no. So of
2: <laughs> if you are, if your Medicare card is effective prior to January 1st of this year. Medicare, Medigap Plan F is still available. Is still available. For persons who are newly turning 65, meaning that if either of those Part A or Part B is January of 2020 or after, the next plan that looks most like Plan S is Medigap Plan
1: G. Medigap Plan F is not available. What was it so, about that? What was it about that plan that they made it go away? Well, I think the number one thing
2: is that Plan F covered the Part B deductible. That is literally the only difference between Plan F and plan G and while it's impossible to speculate exactly exactly the reason you can understand that it lowers the burden on the government to have to pay for the $198 part to be deductible therefore kind of making the person more responsible for their own use of healthcare services as well as you know, limiting the amount of redundant medical services. So it's, a sol- it's solving for hypochondriosis. It's also so- solving for
1: come in for your monthly MRI,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, at the extreme. So let us say you're a person who has regular Medicare and you have Medigap F, Plan F. Mm-hmm. And let's say you want to keep Plan F, but you want to change carriers. Can you do it? Or if is changing carriers considered to be brand new? It would be in Michigan. It is considered
2: to be brand new. So you would need to pass medical underwriting.
1: Okay, I don't mean that, though. But would I have to go to Plan G, or could I keep Plan F with a new carrier? You
2: can stay with your Plan F forever, meaning okay, that okay. no one can eject you from right. Plan F for any reason. But they might require medical underwriting. If you wanted to change carriers, yeah. you can go to a different carrier for Plan F today,
1: but you would be asked medical questions in Michigan. Okay. Okay. So, you know, sometimes you're better off not stirring the waters and just keep what you got. <laughs> well, I, I would put a limit to that,
2: or I wouldn't say that entire, 100%. And the reason is is that the difference in premiums can be notable, meaning that carrier number one and the difference in carrier number one and carrier number two can be many hundreds of dollars a year. So for those persons in the listened audience who are in good health and would like, just out of prudence, they like Plan F, they wanna stay with Plan F, but they wanna save this multiple hundreds of dollars, it can be worth to check where the premiums are and then still hold on to their plan. Of course, you never cancel in advance, But you then see if you can get accepted to a new carrier and get the lower premiums. That is absolutely a viable
1: strategy for anyone that's on Medigap of any kind. So what are some of the disqualifying health issues? For example, at least a third of of America is walking around with type 2 diabetes. Is that a disqualifier? Type 2 diabetes by itself is not likely
2: to be a disqualifier. What the carriers carriers are going to and you're gonna you waded into a ripple effect of COVID nineteen, which we'll get to, which is that the type two diabetes by itself, what carriers are going to be focused on is to make sure that your situation is stable. So that your medications aren't moving around month to month, every two uh, months, okay. every three months. And this is on any medical situation, hypertension, for example, they're gonna to wanna to see that it's under control and then it's stable. Because as you know, if you declined everyone that had type two diabetes in the United States, you know, in the United <laughs> States, I read something that something like one out of three Medicare uh, beneficiaries
1: have some type of diabetes, yeah. which is yeah. 20 million yeah. people in the States. Hang on, we got to take a break. We're talking to J O, the book "Maximize Your Medicare," and if you have any questions, you can give us a call. More coming up. Hi, right, we're back with you here on WSGW, talking to J O, his book "Maximize Your Medicare," and Rick is in Saginaw. Rick, good morning. You're on with J O.
3: Good morning, Art. Good morning, Jay. Uh, do you still recommend? the the supplement plans over the advantage deals if you can afford it well I think that it depends on obviously a
2: number of different moving parts but certainly for persons under Medigap the point what you're paying the extra premium for is its stability contractually Health insurance is a financial contract, ultimately. That Medigap has no moving parts. That you're paying extra premium for the fact that you know that your coverage will never change over time. The premiums may change, but the coverage is known. Medicare Advantage is certainly attractive because its cost is notably lower, well over $1,000 a year lower as far as premium. That said, inherently, Medicare Advantage is an annual contract, meaning that the moving parts move. So it's up to the person on whether that fits their budget, their health situation, because certain persons just don't require healthcare services, uh, you know, they've won the DNA of coin flip overwhelmingly. Now, I guess the last point to this is that switching from Medigap to Medicare Advantage is a free option. You can switch every year during the annual election period. Art and I have, you know, convened every year in the autumn so that people can know this. Switching from Medicare Advantage to Medigap is subject to conditions which can include your health situation. There are exceptions, but in general, beyond the age of 65 and a half or after six months after you retire, if that window has closed, then the Medigap sellers, insurance companies, do have the right to ask you your medical history and under COVID-19 the issue for me, the new issue over the past month is we're not exactly sure how insurance companies are going to be judging the fact that you've been exposed to COVID-19 etc. Whether how that underwriting question is going to actually change in the era of pandemic. It's an important thing, and this is something that I've highlighted in Maximize Your Medicare a number of times, that once your guaranteed period where every Medigap carrier must accept you expires, then you've kind of lost control of the underwriting process. And now we have a notable big X factor, which is COVID-19.
3: Different question. I switched pharmacies. I'm new, newly type two diabetic. Okay. Should the testing supplies, the strips and the lancets, with a plan F be completely covered? Should be yes. Okay. They, because it is, it'd be durable medical equipment. So as a result the answer should be yes. yeah I did it when all this blew up and just over the phone and they couldn't make it work. so I just paid what they wanted but I got to go in there and get it straightened out
1: because I thought it should have been covered completely. <laughs> what yeah, we should point out we, what, Jay we should yeah, point out too uh, just just to, to, to clarify the equipment itself is under durable medical equipment. But typically, Plan F does not cover overages and prescription costs, right? It, it does not address Part D. Is that correct? That is correct.
2: So if you have Medigap, yes, sounds like the caller does understand this distinction. But for the general public, you're absolutely right, Art. It's a good point, which is that Medigap is covering your medical services under which durable medical equipment fits, meaning Walker, for example. Right. the The prescription itself, metformin, for example, which would be the generic medication for that diabetes type two, that is covered by your prescription drug benefits, which can be Part D or embedded in many Medicare Advantage plans. Right. Now, to your point specifically, one thing I would like to add, which is that. You can have controversies at certain instances, but I just want to be very, very clear because it's a misunderstanding. And of course, you know, Jay's to blame, right? When this kind of thing happens, <laughs> which is that this is frequently the issue of administration and billing, not because the carrier doesn't understand its responsibility of payment that once this information is transmitted to the carrier, your Plan F Medigap carrier, they don't have any choice. They don't get to pay or not pay on a discretionary basis. If Medicare Part A and B is the primary payer and they make their payment, Medigap carriers, they will, they must, pay for the 20% or under Part A, the, part, the inpatient hospitalization deductible, and the 20 days and then 21 through 100, depending on your Medigap plan. So they will make the payment. Yeah. Usually, I,
1: controversies are because of administration. So follow it up, Rick, get it straightened out.
3: We got a good loaded question here for you. Real, real quick, because I'm way late for a break. Go ahead. For the advantage plans, the government is paying these companies to do what they do. Yeah. How much? How much is the government paying these companies?
2: I don't have the figure off the top of my head, but it is publicly known, and they do publish it, this amount. It is increasing. Part of the explanation on why Medicare Advantage plans have. Improved. There are two big reasons. Number one, that per diem that you mentioned has increased over time. And number two is the intense competition amongst Medicare Advantage carriers. The biggest, the brightest with unlimited computing power are certainly trying to get higher percentages of people in Medicare
1: Advantage. All right, I got to take a break. Rick, thank you. Appreciate the call. We'll be back.
3: Are they they getting one? Rick, I got
1: to go, Rick. I have to go. I got to take a break. I'm late now. All right, we're back talking to J.O., author of the book Maximize Your Medicare. And before I forget, we could go the whole show without me asking how does one get a copy of the book if they're interested in reading Maximize Your Medicare?
2: The official website for the book is maximizeyourmedicare.com. Just like almost anything on the planet, it is available on amazon.com, of course. (laughs) Just type in maximize your Medicare. So it is available. Absolutely. And your local bookstore will be able to order it if they don't have it or to the degree that you can actually get to your bookstore under the pandemic.
1: But that is possible. So this is edition number eight, you said. is that correct? That's
2: right, Art. So what's different is it was been in self-published form for the first seven editions. And then this past year, the development has been a publisher asked whether or not they could take over the publishing of it. So that has you know of course increased its distribution around the country. And have you seen that? See copies selling? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, most notably, multiple hundreds of libraries around the country. Oh. book, Absolutely. Which is what I really envisioned, which is I realized that people go to the library to get a resource for information. It is a logical place, absolutely.
1: So uh, are there any... Uh, changes on the horizon for medicare that have been announced or at least speculated on i think the one for
2: we touched on it previously which is that insulin copay is going to be limited next year in 2021 to 35 dollars a month per prescription and that is true under medicare advantage or under medigap or sorry not medicare medigap part and and having Part D. So under Part D or under Medicare Advantage, the prescription benefits portion,
1: the monthly copay for insulin capped. So it, they're, trying the they're trying to force That's the prices down? They're trying to force the prices down? And
2: that follows a trend in other states around the country. We have seen legislation on a state-by-state basis which has limited the copay for insulin. So that's going to be a very welcome development for many.
1: So, but, you know, if they limit the copay, but the insurance companies don't reduce the price, it's going to cost people more money in the long run. From what it appears, and it's still a little bit early, I've asked this
2: question of others, just as you have, Art, which is, where's the money coming from? And apparently, it's coming from two things. One, which is, Largely the discount from the drug manufacturers is the the primary source. Is there going to be a slight amount coming from the plans itself? But apparently that amount is small. That is what I'm someone, you know, people who know a lot about the way these are designed has informed me. One other last thing I might point out is that even if you're in the coverage gap, the $35 a copay Still in effect, which is going to be very important.
1: All right. Well, like always, we uh, we run out of time in this discussion with J.O. The book, Maximize Your Medicare, and that's the website, maximizeyourmedicare.com. All kinds of things you can do on that site, including asking Jay questions. And uh, we look forward to chatting with him again in the future. Jay, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. I, missed you, Art. I thought I did something wrong. Nice to be with you again. Nope, you didn't. <laughs> it is more fun in the studio where we can look at each other face-to-face. We talked about that the other day. But uh, you do what you have to do, my friend, right? Absolutely. This will have to do, and I appreciate the time, Art. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye now. Thank you. J-O. J-O with Maximize Your Medicare, by the way. It's J-A-E, and his last name O-O-H. That's simple. We will be back to close out after these notes.